0: Welcome to the Words Work at Microsoft podcast, a podcast about how Microsoft culture has evolved, starting with the way we talk. We'll talk to the people riding in the trenches and share what we've learned along the way, helping you get to know the people behind the big brand name better. And maybe pick up some tips that help you on your business. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Amy King, and I'm a UX writer in the Office 365 Design Studio here at Microsoft. And with me is my mentor and co-host, Jennifer Boss. Hello,
1: hello. Hello, hello. I'm Jennifer Boss. Hi. Uh, I'm a writer and strategist in the Office 365 Design Studio. Yeah, and today we have Laura Riley,
0: Senior Writer <laughs> on the Brand Experiences team here at Microsoft. Her career started in journalism, chasing that elusive scoop before the printing press could churn out the morning edition. But then Destiny jumped in in the form of a Little Caesars commercial that yanked her career train onto a different track and in 30 breathless seconds. She was transformed into a 15-year agency and in-house advertising career for brand spanning Geek Squad and Amex to Windows and Office. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Anything you'd like to add?
2: Uh, no, just thanks for having me. I love the um I love the intro. Oh,
1: great. Aw, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty excited Thank by you. it too. Yeah. <laughs> great.
0: So, uh, Jen and I like to start things off with a little get-to-know-you question for all of us. Um, And today's is, what is your favorite movie genre?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's embarrassing to say, but I have to admit, it's um, horror movies.
0: I love that. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome! Do you have a favorite horror
1: movie?
2: You know, I've been asked that before, and it's really hard to narrow it down because there's there's like subgenres within hor- the horror genre genre. Like, The Shining is just a classic. Um, so that one, you so know, a little rises- like
1: thriller kind of.
2: Yeah, that one rises to the, to the top for me. And then um, there's there's other kinds of like. Um, There was one called The Descent, which is about a a group of women who go spelunking, and um, it's kind of a mix of psychological terror and, um, like, supernatural kind of thing. So that one was really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then I would kind of um, put Silence of the Lambs. I know it's not like a traditional horror movie, but (laughs) that psychological, yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. That's totally why I asked the question about like a specific movie, just to kind of get a sense of what type of horror are we talking. Are we talking like ca- you know, human caterpillar saw? Or are we talking <laughs> to, like I love it.
2: Well, and um, you know, of all of the sub genres, I would say that like human caterpillar and saw are not my go tos. It's just kind of thank you. I think it's also called like torture porn and I don't really Yeah
1: it, that oh, doesn't okay. do anything for
2: me. Yeah. <laughs> I like the tension think- and, and being on edge.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I weep for society when I see those types of yeah, human centipede movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, gross. really? Who watches that? I know, uh, I know. Okay. I totally remember when I was five years old, I military crawled down the hallway <laughs> to um, you know, watch the TV when I was oh, supposed wow. to be in bed. And, and my parents were watching The Shining. And you were five? So I, mm-hmm. I was five. Wow. Yeah. That was also the year that I military crawled and watched Jaws. But. <laughs> The I love time. the military crawl. <laughs> know. You know, you think you're so stealth in you're a kid, right? But <laughs> yeah. I, for the longest time, had this image of Jack Nicholson with an axe through a yeah. bathroom door, and then, like, here's oh, Johnny. Yeah. And I had no idea. I had no idea why I had this image in my head, right? Because I was oh, wow. And it wasn't until I was in high school and I was at a friend's house and they put on the shining that I was like, oh my God, that's where I saw that from. And wow. then I was really creeped out that my parents, you know, well, I mean they didn't know because I was being sneaky, but I yeah. just thought it was hilarious that I was traumatized very early. Well, child. yeah,
2: and then you wonder like, what did that do to me <laughs> seeing right. something like that at that age?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh well, I know what it's done to me. I got my teeth
0: split. So,
1: um, have you? have you ever gotten into, I think I emailed this actually uh, a while ago to you is uh, did you ever get into the Hannibal TV series that's based off the silence of the lamb?
2: You know, I, I'm sorry. I didn't ever reply to you. Um, I, I think I, watched <laughs> one, you. <laughs> I think I watched one episode and I can't remember what was going on in my life at the time. Like if I was already into another series or, or, you know, if I just didn't have, if I was working a lot, but um, I just, I don't even remember what that episode was about, really. So I should give that one another look.
1: It's yeah, it streams on Amazon, I think. Okay, yeah, because yeah. the whole Amazon character of
2: Hannibal is just fascinating to me.
1: Oh, it's delicious, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's um, Mads Milkison is the um, is the actor that plays Hannibal. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's like a uh, Danish actor. Oh my gosh. I love him. <laughs> it's a really. Um, <laughs> But uh, it is a really um, graphic show too, because okay. they've put a lot of effort into the um, the cinematography styling. It, it's mm. I don't I can't remember the name. I should know that if I'm going to bring people up. But
2: uh, <laughs> they've
1: done uh, another series too. American Gods is their current series that they do the same kind of cinematography effect okay. for the the kind of graphic scenes. Um, but anyways, okay, enough about that. You know. What's your
0: genre? Okay, um, my dark comedy, and sci-fi thriller, if that's a subgenre of, well, yeah. But like Alien? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is kind of comical because I jump easily, so jump scares get me crazy. <laughs> and I got just a bundle of nerves and anxiety by the end of the movie, but I really just enjoyed Alien. I probably watched it too young because I have so many older siblings, my parents just kind of gave up. By the time I came around. <laughs> so definitely watched them at too young of an age, but I love that. And then the dark comedy, it's just like death at a funeral. Alan Tudyk is just pristine in his role and I just love a good laugh at inappropriate moments, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> That's so
0: funny. So so what far, you, Amy and I
1: have it ad- Amy and I have admitted so far that our parents have completely ruined us with the movies. <laughs>
2: as children. <laughs> oh, well, let me let me uh, pile on to that just super quick. My mom took me to see the Elephant Man when I was 10. <laughs> Cuz she no, thought she thought it was a uh, movie about a, an elephant trainer or the circus or something much more lighthearted than it actually was. Yeah. That's
1: so sweet. You know, I think I was 10 when I saw the Elephant Man. Really? Well, come on. If I was watching Jaws and The Shining, at five, That's fine. true. It's nothing that's to... <laughs> true. <laughs> Fast forward a few years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I do remember him. That was a good prosthetic, too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what we like is, you know, the behavioral stuff that gives us the feels and the mm-hmm. empathy for other people. Mm-hmm. Even if it is the terror, right? Because, I mean, yep. that's a human quality we all have in common is fear.
2: Right. Yeah. True.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, um, I'll proclaim to be the cheesy one of the group and say that I'm just a good old drama queen. Um, <laughs> I love <laughs> I love dramas that just um, I don't know uh, give me the feels. Yeah, uh, my favorite um, my favorite director who also kind of writes is uh, Christoph Kieslowski. He's a uh, he's passed away uh, a while ago, but he's a a Polish documentarian that became a filmmaker, and I think he's most well known for his um, French trilogy which was supposed to um, be in honor of the creation of the European Union. Huh. Uh, it's called let's, let's see, it's the reverse of our colors because it's the French flag so it's uh, blue, white, and red is the trilogy. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's just he, he writes a lot of just about character. Um, my favorite one was this short um, short TV series that he did in Poland uh, back when it was still a communist country. And it was called The Decalogue. So because, you know, Poland is very Catholic, it was um, all about, <clears throat> you know, ten sins and things. Um, and one of those episodes was so popular that he made a short film called um, what is it? a sh- short film of love, I think. Hmm. Um, and it's about this young guy who becomes, he lives in this apartment complex and he can look out the window of other people and he becomes obsessed with this single woman who lives across the quad from him, and he is like 18 or 19, and he just falls in love with her, but he's a bit of a stalker, too, Uh, and it just kind of tells the story of his perspective, her perspective, and, you know, how do we fall in love, and what binds us to each other and I don't know it's just really layered and very real I think I think I loved him because I was raised on such American you know everything's a happy ending uh it's all just too too pretty of people and you know I I liked the raw quality of it's just normal looking people with real problems (laughs) anyways
2: that's awesome you sound so intellectual right now Yeah, I was like oh Oh, no (laughs) it don't
1: believe it i I mean yes that's fantastic deep and intelligent person (laughs) (laughs) all right i thought that just i think we know a lot more about each other now
0: i love it yeah great okay well switching gears now let's quickly pop back to your intro laura um I'm curious, was the Little Caesars pizza commercial a successful marketing campaign and that's why you decided to switch career paths or was it just a regular gong show and you felt compelled to improve Mm -hmm. marketing? It
2: was actually um, more of the former, but Mm -hmm. that commercial in particular was one of those moments in my life that... um, makes you question everything you know about something. And that sounds super deep. But what I mean by that is, like, yeah. I remember where I was the first time I heard uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit because mm-hmm. it it kind of was so unlike any other music I'd heard at that point. Um, same thing goes with Pulp Fiction. Like, it it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that movies could be unlike things that I'd seen before. And that was what the Little Caesars commercial was for me. Um, Because most of the commercials I'd seen up until that point weren't entertaining. They just, you know, you wanted to go to the bathroom, go get something to drink during the commercial break. And this was actually hilarious and (laughs) like super entertaining. And I was like, I didn't know advertising could be like that, and I was, and I was like, I want to be a part of that. I want to, I want to do stuff like that. And I think um, to take a step back further, I think um, the whole notion of the pizza, pizza, and the little character and all that uh, were brilliant in their own right. And the um, you know campaign spanned, I don't know, years and years, and it was everything they did was great, and so that that just made a mark on me and made me wanna. Not chase after that scoop, but actually entertain people. I love
0: that. I love so it. would you say that that is your favorite campaign, or do you have a favorite marketing campaign that you worked on when you were at an ad agency?
2: Um, you know, it's I've got several favorites. A lot of them were actually from in-house um, opportunities, but I think... On the agency side, my favorite campaign was um, one of the first ones I got to work on, which was um, launching Ericsson mobile phones in the U.S. It was a Mm -hmm. Swedish um, company, and I think it was at one point Sony Ericsson after um, we'd been involved with it. But um, what was so incredible to me was it was like my first job out of college, and I got to work on this national campaign and um, really learn from a great creative director as far as storytelling and, and, you know, casting and editing. And, um, you know, it it was just such an amazing learning experience and pretty darn glamorous for, you know, one of your first assignments as a, you know, at at a school. So that was a huge highlight for me. Um, But then the Geek Squad work that I got to do while I was in-house at Best Buy is probably the work that I'm still the most proud of and had the most fun doing. That's
0: awesome. Uh, I love Geek Squad. Oh, such a great brand. Yeah.
2: It's, you know, it's such a treat to write for a brand like that that has such a distinct personality and voice you you can mm-hmm. just tell immediately when something's right or when it's not quite on brand yeah. and it, it, it's it's really it's really fun to to create that kind of work
1: you know I'm curious I wonder if we can find that uh little caesar video um on youtube it's that, out that, that there commercial it's out there I would <laughs> love to add that to our like blog post for promoting uh, for <laughs> for <pod>. this <laughs> just, like, yeah <laughs>
2: Yeah. So I think it introduced the entire chain and the whole idea of getting two pizzas for the price of one. And so this guy goes into a uh, competitor's um, pizza place and and the whole thing is they're going to give you a pizza and a free box. And he's like, well, what do I want a free box for? And he's like, and the guy behind the counter is like, ever hear origami? And then super fast, he makes it into like a pterodactyl. It's <laughs> <laughs> it was just the, kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it's like that goofy kind of wacky humor that also kind of was born at the same time, which was like raised in Arizona, and you know, mm. a different kind of humor that you'd ever, you'd kind of seen before too.
1: Yeah, more generational and yeah. totally in line. Speaking of the Best Buy and Geek Squad alignment for their brand, that's uh, Little Caesar always was a bit quirky. Uh, yeah, just the um, repetitiveness of uh, pizza, pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I still remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Um, what about? You know how long have you been working in the office creative group? It's been a couple years now, right?
2: Uh, it's. Let's see. I just did the math last night. I can't remember. I think it's about a year and 10 months, so closing in on two years, yeah.
1: That's so great. So during your time uh, in the office, is, is there like a campaign or writing project that uh, that you've also liked? Um, uh,
2: you know, one that stands out for me is um, the launch of Microsoft Teams um, because what was so cool about that is I was involved – early on and actually working with, um, the PMM team to craft the messaging, um, for how we were going to talk about Microsoft teams and how we were going to explain the benefits and, and the features. And I'd, you know, coming from more of an advertising background, I'd never been involved in, um, the marketing that, that early on in a, in a, project and so that was a big learning experience for me um, seeing how they incorporate or they they look to the consumer research to you know inform how they they talk about features and how they don't talk about things um, and then beyond that um, there were two events associated with the launch which was the preview launch and then the GA moment um, and for each of those we we created. Um, Everything from a video, like a soaring anthem video that introduced Sacha to the stage to talk about Office 365 and then this new thing called Microsoft Teams, um, down to like the table tents that went on the tables at the event and, you know, social posts and emails. And it it was just truly an end to end project um, that had a bunch of different components to it that were all really fun to work on in their own way.
1: Yeah. How do you like manage that many components? Like how many writers do you actually have helping them with these projects?
2: Well, the thing about the studio and this was um, back when I think I was the only full-time writer Um, we had, you know, contract writers helping with um, RM and, and web but the way that the the creative studio works is that, well, first we're adding more full-time employees so that we'll be able to like actually do more of the work, create a lot more of the work. But um, a lot of times, like with the Microsoft Teams launch, once the messaging is locked, that's something that we can pass off to an agency and work with them to create the work so that we're not necessarily creating every single piece of it. We're, we're creating some of it. And then we're overseeing the creation of other parts of it.
1: Right. So, so are, are example, you guys creating like playbooks that you hand off to agencies then to kind of help them?
2: Yeah. It's like yeah. the messaging framework is what everybody needs to follow in in how they talk about um, the product. And then we would, you know, create a brief in order for uh, an agency to go create like all the social posts around the launch or, um, that kind of thing.
1: Mm, Yeah.
2: So it was a mix of creating and writing and then reviewing and giving feedback.
1: So it sounds so many more questions, but I'll stop there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so it sounds like you've built your team out a little bit more since then. Um, What does a typical day look like for you at the office brand experiences
2: team? Well, that's what's, so I mean, I don't know that I've ever had a typical day here, which is part of what I love about it, just because (laughs) there's such a variety of um, work I get to actually do myself and then work I I help oversee and give feedback and and, um, help direct. So, and that work. Like I said, can range from you know these really awesome videos, um, case study videos to social posts, um, event signage. It's just all over the it's it spans a wide gamut, and I, I love that. it it's you can't really get bored if you're working on different stuff all the time and you never know what's gonna come your way next.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I love that
0: ability to have flexibility and do something different to kind of keep the creativity flowing. Yeah. I mean, not that, that sounds intellectually stimulating.
2: It is, it is. And, um, I found that I'm able to switch gears a lot more easily than, you know, sometimes it can be frustrating if you've got it in your head that you're going to do X for the next, you know, three hours and then a meeting pops up or you're, you know thinking that you're going to review this project and but then you've got to bang something out beforehand you know it, it's kind of it, it can be a double-edged sword sometimes just depending on workload and and what all you have going on but i would much rather um not know what to expect from a day than than to show up and know i'm going to do x y and z and then leave
1: yeah that that sounds pretty par for the course at microsoft <laughs> yeah right <laughs> You never know what you're going to get when you walk through the door.
2: Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, with all the variation of the different types of um, projects, and and you know, if you're writing an ad or um, a video script, do you have uh, like a, a kind of a process or um or a, um for getting started on a project, or is it kind of just organic to whatever you're working on? Um,
2: what I the thing that works best for me is to have a kickoff, you know, and have a really solid brief and then just kind of let it roll around in my head for a while and not immediately try to sit down and start writing, but just kind of let it percolate. And then, you know, even overnight. And so I I often find like the next day things just start popping into my head um, that I'll just start putting down. You know, if I actually would sit down and be like, I'm gonna, I just got out of the kickoff. Now I'm gonna write the script in the next hour. I, I don't know that my brain works as well that way. You know, I I could get some thoughts on a page, but it it it's a lot easier for me to come up with stuff if I if I walk away from it for a little bit.
1: Yeah, totally. Stuff it in your subconscious and come back to it. Later. Yeah.
2: Yep. Exactly.
1: Well, the brain scientists do say that that's happening, right? Our subconscious is constantly doing on our on um, problem solving for us while we're paying attention to other things. So yeah. it sounds like a pretty good process. <laughs> when there's time,
2: <laughs> you don't always have the luxury too of walking away from something. You know, sometimes you do have to just bang it out, and and that's fine too.
1: All part of the challenge. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, um, with your process, do you have a favorite formula for writing a good headline?
2: You know, I don't. And to be honest, I, I can struggle with headlines at times just because mm-hmm. it it's they're so important. and and there's such a range of them, too. so i I would say some of my favorite headlines are the ones that make you absolutely have to read. To copy the rest of the ad. Um, one of my favorite examples is the lemon headline that Volkswagen did mm. age, ages and ages ago. Like you, you, absolutely cannot go without reading that ad. Um, and I, I, love stuff like that. And, and I also love um, headlines that make you like feel something. You know, every project is so different, and so I feel like the best way to get to a great headline is just to look at like what exactly you're trying to achieve with it and take some unexpected or really insightful way into it. Does that make sense? I mean, I, okay. So no, I don't really have a a good formula or anything like that. It's more just trying to be as clever or unexpected or emotional or it, sometimes even straightforward with it, if that's if that's what it what the project or the communication really needs.
1: That's good advice. I actually have that lemon Volkswagen. Um, Do you? I have like a a, a a gift file. I'll just put it on the blog post along with this when we, with the Little Caesar pizza <laughs> commercial. All the br- great it- influences. <laughs> <kids. laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually i I tried to sell a headline, that was kind of along the lemon lines, um, we had the back cover of an in-room magazine that would go in hotel rooms. And the what we were trying to sell was a ro- loyalty program. So, you know, you stay at a hotel, you get points, you get free stays, all that kind of stuff. And so on the back cover of the um, in-room ma- magazine, I wanted the headline just to be steal the towels. And so... <laughs> Yes, I do. Yeah, and so, and the goal was for people to be like, what? You know, I I have to read this ad and then explain how, you know, some people steal the towels. Some people actually sign up for this loyalty program and earn much more awesome stuff than towels. And it's a lot easier, you know, just that kind of thing. I don't remember how I tied it all back together nicely, but Yeah. They didn't oh, buy it. Love
1: it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're like, we're gonna tell people to steal the towels. I'm like, no, we're not telling people to steal the towels. You're missing
1: the point. Yeah. <laughs> well, those kind of those kind of pitches tell you a lot about your client, right? Yeah. So one of the things that you're saying about, um, you know, working at Best Buy is that they had, they knew their spirit, they knew their brand voice and personality, and they embraced it. And. You know, so some corporations can get a little too um, too much starch on their collar and not yep. uh, open up and be more human. So I think right. that's like a, a moment where you kind of like, oh man, can you just give it a try? Right. <laughs> so right. You might get some really great results and surprise yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of along those same lines, um, you have like a, like what's the best bit of writing advice someone's given you in your career? Um, so
2: uh, if you'll humor me, I have two things <laughs> that I wanted to, <laughs> to hit on here. Um, first one is writing specific, and then the second one is more kind of general to our, our industry or our field. And so, writing wise, I think the best thing that anybody told me was just to just start and just fill the page with words, you know, get it all out, and then, and don't worry about making it perfect right off the bat, and then. Then just cut it down, cut it down, polish, cut it down, and make sure that every word, once you're finished, is necessary and is adding value and is kind of perfect. So, because when I was first starting out, I didn't want to even start putting anything down until it was great. But I think a lot of times that just leads to writer's block and you're not sure, like, what great even looks like after a certain point. So if you just start and then get really brutal with what words that you cut, um, I think that's how you get to really concise, powerful stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like one of my favorite exercises is the A to Z, where you just, you know, do the alphabet down a page. Uh Um, And I usually do this for, um, you know, value props or um for you know writing creative briefs just to get me ideas of words right so i start thinking about uh, i have to fill in a word for each letter of the alphabet for this particular you know product or whatever a yeah. whole page and it's just that thing to kind of um, get rid of the writer's block to unlock your mind get yep. you thinking in different directions yeah mm-hmm. that's great
2: yeah and so the the second one which i love is Nobody's going to die on the table, meaning <laughs> we're not saving you mean lives. mean we're not saving babies? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank goodness, because, like, it can be so stressful uh, trying to come up with something great or, you know, sell a great idea or just, you know, put something awesome into the world. But at the end of the day, like, if you make a mistake or if you don't completely knock it out of the park the first time or, or just anything, it's like, there aren't going to be dire consequences. Um, And so that just knowing that can help take some of the pressure off and, and allow you to come up with something great. You know what I mean? And
1: And not to take yourself too
0: seriously.
2: Right. And thank goodness there are people who are holding other people's lives in their hands and do an amazing job. And, you know, I'm just glad I'm not one of them. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <'cause> I, <laughs> if i make a mistake it's not gonna be catastrophic but, uh, for anybody yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah just,
1: we, we say that a lot in the studio like no small children are gonna die yeah, <laughs> yeah we remind yeah. ourselves quite a lot about that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's easy i mean there's you know there's um pride in the craft right so it's easy mm-hmm. for us to kind of get thinking that we're, you know, you spend so much time thinking about something, you you start to take it a little too seriously and it becomes so important. So it's good to have that little bit of levity to remind you.
2: Right. Exactly. That's good advice,
1: Laura. Good two pieces of advice. I love it. Thanks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Laura. Well, last question then. And it's all about what influences you. Um, where do you go for inspiration? Do you have a website, blog, Instagram, or whatever that you go to to fill up your creative tank? Um,
2: usually, I just go to um, adweekonline.com you know, or Adage and see um, kind of what other people are doing, what what's resonating in culture right now, and and even you know they'll have you know the best commercials of. Last year, the year before, they'll even do retrospectives of, you know, commercials throughout the years. And not that, not that I'm even doing commercials anymore, but it's just, it's nice to see how people bring an idea to life in such various ways. And I just love it when somebody does something that's so perfect. You're like, you can almost envision what the brief was because it's just so insightful and so right. Um, so yeah, generally, I just stick to kind of industry um, publications like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I love that. That's great, right. Um, so that reminds me of uh, one of my mentors, Brian McKenna, who I think we're gonna get on a show. He actually used to assign me homework where <clears throat> I would get something like um, the One show book, you know, they publish all the most award-winning ads mm-hmm. and then challenge me to can you recreate the brief that inspired this work? Oh, I love Uh, it. Yeah. That one's That's tough, man. That's some tough stuff. I'm still in progress when it comes to that, but you know, since this podcast is all about trying to throw out every tip and trick we know, I thought I'd um, throw that in.
2: Interesting. well, And you haven't asked this question, but if there's time, I'd love to talk about the brief for a minute and how like awesome it is. Yeah. So when I I moved here from Minneapolis um, a few years ago and in front of the big award show, they would have the Ad Fed award show. They would have something called the Creative Summit where they'd bring in um, speakers to talk about whatever. And Jeff Goodby was there one year talking about brand planning and how it had kind of changed um, the way they were writing briefs and, and producing work. And his example was the Got Milk campaign that they did. And mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he what he was talking about how the client always wanted to talk about or the, you know, milk board wanted to talk about the essential minerals and vitamins and milk's good for you, blah, blah, blah. And the you know, the planning they did and the research they did to really get to the nugget of what makes milk important to people, um, and it's that it's that moment where you have a mouthful of brownies and water's just not going to cut it, you know, they, they got to that super rich insight of how important milk is at, at very specific times, you know, it, it, and so that yeah. was just, it was it was really cool to hear about, because the strategy leading up to the work is just as, you know, fascinating to me as the work itself in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, Um, I love that you brought this up because we didn't have that question, but I think it is one of the things that I, the reason why I wanted to have you on the pod is because of your talent and your being in the creative studio and having an in-house agency inside of office doing this work because we do have a history and reputation of our marketing being very feature-led, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, Explaining what it is that we offer. Yep. And you know, part part of this whole Microsoft Ways Principles initiative is um, around how we talk, right? Yeah. Um. And so it's people like you doing this work and thinking in this way that is helping us um, as a as a company redirect our conversation to being about the customer, what it is that we yep. can, um, you know, how we can solve their problems and not be just the technical specs anymore.
2: Right, so, right. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank no. you for bringing
1: that up. <laughs> I, um,
2: yeah, one one thing that we say quite a bit here is um, we're putting people back at the heart of productivity. and. Making it about them and what we do for them, not about what we do full stop, you know, and that's just so important because that's when you really make a more emotional connection with with a person. And that's that's how you build brand affinity and that's how you are stay relevant with people. Because, Absolutely. you know, if, if, yeah, if you're just talking about features, there's other products that have really similar features. Um, it, it's really about being relevant in an emotional way and words, yeah. words work.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. It's words <laughs> work. Um, you know, and in, in another pod, uh, Amy and I actually interviewed ourselves and we talk about um, how we're doing that kind of work inside of the product teams themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's these pockets of writers across the company that are helping to evangelize this point of view. And that's why I, you know, Amy and I created this podcast is to bring together this community to talk to each other and support each other and, you know, um, you know, share that uh, that point of insight with with everyone. So um, all good nuggets. This is a good episode. I love it.
2: Awesome. And thank you guys, first, for having me on and second, for doing this in the first place. I think it's amazing and awesome. And and thank you. Thank you so
0: much for being on the show and sharing experiences and tips with us it's been awesome so all right that's a wrap thank you thank you yeah So, ladies it's been
1: yeah it's been great so uh thanks for tuning in
0: if you like the show don't forget to leave a rating on itunes your review will help others find us you can also head to our blog at wordsworkpodcast.com to leave us comments on the blog post for this episode thanks